Before we pray, I'm going to read the text for us. You see, there's no title. There's no title. I, I tried to come up with one, and I couldn't. It's just that good. The, the passage is just that good. So, but I hope points will be drawn out that help us to answer the question of who Jesus is from last time. Remember, we have a, that question to answer. Um, Mark's kind of giving us that as we read through Mark. You have to make a decision who Jesus is to you. What, what is up with this person, Jesus, that comes down to earth and lives a life and heals people and forgives sins? You have to make a choice who Jesus is. So I hope as we get this passage and the points drawn out of it, he's healing more people, but there's much more than just healing physically. There's more to come. So let's pray after we read this. If you don't have it in your Bibles yet, if you want to turn there, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43, and I'll start reading after I get this glass of water. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. So here we go. Are you excited to hear from Mark today? Are you? Because I sit down in my office. Well, I was in and out of the office this week, but I was sitting all week. This passage is on my mind, and it's a good passage, and you'll see why. Um, So let's begin here. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. 
After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. God, thank you for this gathering today. Thank you for the songs that we sang. The time of remembering Jesus dying for our sins. And a time now that we can come to the gospel according to Mark and learn who Jesus is and more about who he is. Thank you for the listening ears here today. Help us all to carefully listen and ponder what Mark wrote down for us and ponder the question, who is Jesus? It's in His wonderful, precious, holy name we pray. Amen. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. That's how Mark starts his gospel. Remember that when we started the Gospel of Mark series. It's a good start. The subject is told right off the get-go what Mark is going to be talking about. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The entire message is about Jesus. Jesus began to preach. Remember, John gets put in prison. And Jesus began to preach after He came out of the wilderness, the desert. Remember, He was tempted by Satan, the devil, the evil one, the accuser, whoever you want to call Him. And Jesus comes out. And He preaches, teaches, heals, and transforms lives from the very beginning of His earthly ministry. And He preached this. Remember, He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That was His opening message. Repent and believe the good news. And Mark's telling us, this is the beginning of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The good news of Jesus. As I said earlier, I was more excited now than ever because I went to this conference and it was all about the gospel of Jesus. The book of Romans is a great book to study, but it's, the theme is basically Jesus. And new life in Christ. And Mark is giving us a glimpse of the beginning of this good news. People didn't understand it. People didn't, even the disciples sometimes didn't understand it. Who is this Jesus? And we come to this passage. Remember last week we talked about the storms. Remember he calmed and stilled the waves and the ocean, whatever the lake they were on, he stilled it. And then he healed the demon-possessed man that was living in the tombs. One writer said, it ceased. His life was calm now. Same idea. He calmed the storms of the sea and he ceased the storm in this guy's life. And what did he tell him? You can't come with me. 
You have a mission to go back to your own people and to share what Jesus has done for you. And what did the man do? He went and shared. Do you have a testimony to share? I do. Do you? I talked to people at the conference. One old friend I caught up with, he had a story to tell too. How he went into the ministry. And it's wonderful to hear testimonies of what Jesus has done in your life. Not just healing physically, but hearing healing you spiritually. And this guy, last week, goes and tells. And that's where you pick up the story. Now, remember Jesus, they get in a boat to go. Remember the crowds last week are like, get out of town, we don't want you here, Jesus. We saw what you did. You killed 2,000 pigs. You've healed this man. He's in his right mind. Get out of town. So he gets in a boat, crosses over to the sea, and who's waiting for him? Who's waiting for him? More crowds. People in the region of the Gadarenes or Gerasenes or the Decapolis, they said, get out of here. And now people are saying, hey, Jesus is back. Let's crowd around him. You see crowds that are rejecting Jesus. You see crowds that are welcoming him back in a way. Saying, you're back. Yes. Now we can crowd around you so you can heal more people and we can be near you. I just thought that was fascinating. Like, you have some people driving him out of town, and some people are saying, giving him like a welcoming back by the lake. And there's always boats involved, too. And then, we read it, but you see the healings of two individuals. So here's where we start. There's two healings. You see Jairus comes, the synagogue leader. He says, my little daughter is dying. Come and heal her, please. And then in the middle of that, Jesus heals the woman that has been bleeding for 12 years. And then at the end, he goes to the little girl and says, hey, get up. You're not, she's not dead. She's going to, She's okay. She's just asleep. And he takes her by the hand and says, little girl, get up. And it's interesting. Just think about this. One writer pointed it out, but just think about this. Jairus comes and says, my daughter is dying. At the end, you see how old she is, 12 years old, right? And then you have this bleeding woman. How long has she been bleeding? For 12 years. The daughter has lived a life of 12 years and is dying. And now, same time. This lady has been with this blood flowing for 12 years. Just interesting there. You have a young girl full of life and energy and she's dying. You have this lady been suffering for 12 years and is about to die. And what happens to both of them? They're both healed. And something else to point out. Jairus is a synagogue leader. He's at the top. He's the elite class, right? And he goes to Jesus. What's the woman? She doesn't even have a name. She's unclean. She is probably shunned by everybody. 
So you have Jairus and you have this unnamed woman. They're at the opposite sides of the spectrum, you would say, in the class system of the culture of that day. And they're both in the story. The same story. Mark has a way of putting words on a paper. So remember those things as you hear and read this story over and over because don't stop reading stories because you'll learn and learn and learn. So Jairus comes to Jesus and what does he say? My little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And what does Jesus do? He goes with them. Doesn't have the conversation or what Jesus said. He just went with Jairus. So as they were walking, what happens? Crowds, remember, there's crowds welcoming him by the lake and he starts to walk and they're pressing in on Jesus. That means kind of like suffocation. Have you ever been in a crowd where you suffocated? I have never been. So I don't know how big a crowd is, but there, are been, there have been times where I've been walking with crowds. Not maybe the suffocation like this, but pressed around but I've been in crowds, you're walking. And there was a woman there walking with the crowds who's been bleeding for 12 years. Remember, she's spent everything. She's been to every doctor in town. She doesn't have any more money left. She's not getting any better. She's just getting worse and she has nothing left of her own. But she says... I heard about Jesus. I heard about Jesus to herself, and she's trying to get to Jesus just to touch his cloak, his clothes. That's all she wants to do. Because she's like, I've heard about Jesus. All I got to do is touch his clothes, and I'm going to be healed. That's a lot of faith, isn't it? That is a lot of faith. She is saying, I've heard about Jesus. Somehow she's hearing about Jesus, even though she's the unclean. Nobody wants to be around her, but she's hearing about Jesus. And she gets to Jesus, touches his cloak. That's a lot of faith. Do you have that kind of faith? And what happens? Touches the cloak of Jesus, and she's immediately healed. She knows she's healed. She's like, I've never felt this way before. This is incredible feeling. And what does Jesus do? Does Jesus keep walking and walking and walking? No, he stops because he realizes something has happened. And he asks, who touched me? That is just an interesting question when the crowds are pressing around you. And he's just asking, who touched my clothes? Now, I've been in a crowd where I've bumped somebody before. And I'm always like, you want to say sorry, but it's a big crowd. It happens, okay? I've had people hit me. And you're looking around like, who did that? Like, Did they do that on purpose or not? But Jesus stops because he realizes somebody has touched his clothes. The disciples are saying, why are you asking that, Jesus? Probably a hundred people already touched you. What? But something happened. And he stops. And he kept looking around to see who had done it. Could you imagine? 
You've been bleeding for 12 years. You're unclean. Nobody wants to be around you. Now she's healed. And Jesus stops and says, who touched my clothes? And now he's looking around to see who did it. Like, who did that? This is beside the point, but I had, I took a class in seminary and we picked a character to choose and do a, a, you're the character and you do it in front of people. And one of my classmates did this passage, the unnamed woman that was bleeding for 12 years. And she did a phenomenal job of maybe what it looked like, how this lady felt, how this lady was getting into the crowds and trying to just touch his clothes. But Jesus was looking around. And then the woman, knowing what she had done, or what had happened to her, sorry, came and fell at his feet. Remember Jairus fell at Jesus' feet earlier, saying, get to my daughter, she's dying. All you have to do is touch her, she'll be healed. And now Jesus is looking around the woman, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. No doubt she was trembling with fear. Remember, she's unclean for 12 years. And told him the whole truth. I wonder how long that took. The, this woman is telling Jesus the whole truth. And we've already learned some of it. I've spent all I had on doctors. I'm not getting any better. I didn't get any better for 12 years. What is happening? And then I heard about you, and all I have to do is touch your clothes, Jesus. That's what I thought, to be healed. And she's telling him all this. And Jesus is listening. Jairus is listening. The crowds are listening. And he said to her, Daughter, what a beautiful picture. Remember in chapter 4, was it chapter 2, where the paralyzed man was brought down? And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now he says, daughter, to this woman. Probably a, a, a word that she has not heard for a long time. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Remember, she came trembling with fear to tell him what happened, to tell him the whole truth. That word, trembling with fear, and you'll see it later with Jairus when we'll get there, verse 36, don't be afraid. It's the same word, fear and afraid, phobio. It means to fear, be afraid, absolutely to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm of those who fear harm or injury. She's like, what's going to happen to me if I tell the whole truth to this Jesus? I'm healed, but I need to get to him and tell him because he's looking around. She's trembling with fear. She's struck with fear. She's seized with alarm. She's kind of like, it's afraid. And then, the story goes on though, right? He says, go in peace. Shalom, as they would say to each other. Shalom. 
This is a blessing addressed by the Hebrews to departing friends. Daughter, friend of mine, shalom, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What a relief for this woman. She has been freed from her suffering. Paul McReynolds in his commentary on Mark says, Her fear and trembling is not a negative reaction, but a very appropriate one when approaching such power and authority. She knows Jesus. She's heard about Jesus. And then I just wonder what Jairus is thinking during this time. He's like, I've told Jesus to get to my daughter. And you're stopping and you're talking to this woman. But he's probably there and I don't know what he's thinking. It doesn't say. But then, while Jesus was still speaking. So Jesus is speaking this. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And he's still speaking. And then some people came from the house of Jairus. And they said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. This is while Jesus is healing this woman or just healed this woman just by the touch of his cloak. And they come to Jairus and say, don't bother him anymore. Your daughter is already dead. And I love this. Overhearing. Jesus overhears what they say. One translation says ignoring what they said. I think it's the same thing. Because look what Jesus says. Jesus told him, that's Jairus, he looks at Jairus and he says, don't be afraid. The same word as the woman, trembling with fear. Don't be struck with fear. Don't be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. You know what that word just believe means? Pesteo. Absolutely to trust in Jesus or in God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something. Jesus says, don't be struck with fear, Jairus. Just believe what God can do, what I can do. Just believe, Jairus. The Vines Dictionary says this word, believe, not a mere credence. That means not just a mental acceptance of something true or real. Not just saying, oh, I know God can heal, yes. But it's more than that. It is a absolutely to trust that God or Jesus can do something. How do we pray, Vernabeth? We pray that healing's going to happen. We've seen it, right? That's the belief that this Man needs to have, Jesus tells him, don't be afraid, just believe. Know that God's going to do something. There's times that I don't have that type of faith. I just say, I know God can do it, but eh, it's too difficult for God. Nothing's too hard for God. Read that in either Isaiah or Jeremiah recently, I don't remember. Somebody can shout it out if I'm misquoting. Nothing's too hard for God. Paul McReynolds again says this, Fear and trust are not opposites. In the real world, we must live with fear, but we should also choose to live with trust. 
The stronger our trust is, the less fear we will have. Jesus says, don't be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. Have more trust in me and belief in me and your fear will become less and less. We go on. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And we'll see this throughout the Gospels. That's kind of the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. They are the ones that are closest to Jesus. He takes them places that the other disciples didn't go. When they came to the home the synagogue, of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Did you know in that culture there are professional wailers and mourners? They hired people to stand outside to mourn and wail for the dying person. And Jesus, he went in, said to these people that are paid to be there, why all this commotion and wailing? Why are you doing this? The child is not dead, but asleep. The people are probably thinking, she is dead. We look at her, we, she's not breathing, she's dead. But Jesus says, the child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. So Jesus says, he puts them out. I just say, he kind of kicks them out. He said, get out of here. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. So you got the Jairus, you got his wife, the mother of the child, and then you have Peter, James, and John. They go into the room. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Just takes her by the hand. The bleeding woman touched Jesus' clothes and was healed. Jesus touches this little girl's hand and says, get up. Remember, Jesus touches the leper in a previous chapter we read, right? He touches people. The touch of Jesus is so powerful. And the faith we have in Jesus is powerful because we believe that Jesus can do something. They have faith. So the woman bleeding for 12 years, she has so much faith to touch Jesus' clothes. She's healed. And then Jairus has faith, right? After this happens, I bet Jairus is excited and his wife's excited because their child is not dead anymore. It's alive. She's alive. And I hope Peter, James, and John are getting it. <laughs> Remember, they're at the storm, right? And they wake Jesus and say, uh, you're going to let us die? And what does Jesus tell them? Don't be afraid, right? Why are you so afraid, he tells them. Jesus is a healer, Right? He heals people, not just physically though. I think he also, we believe that he heals spiritually. He is a healer of both, the physical body and the spiritual body. And as I'm thinking about this passage all week, and I'm trying to understand it the best I can, but also to encourage people to say, to answer that question, who is Jesus? That was last week's question, remember, to ponder. Who's Jesus? Who's this guy, Jesus? Remember the disciples are like, who is this guy? He, he can heal the, cease the storms of the sea? 
We must all answer this question. But I was thinking, how do I tie this in? B.W. Johnson and Don DeWilt in their commentary on Mark, they, they write this about the woman with blood. She had faith, even if not intelligent and clear, Then they go on. The student should observe that hers was not a passive faith, but it led to action. A passive faith is a dead faith. Even though her faith was not intelligent and clear, she just knew I had to get to Jesus to touch him, to touch his clothes, and I'll be healed. She thought that. She believed that. What if she just sat where she was always sitting? and didn't go and touch Jesus' clothes, would she still be bleeding of blood? Yes. I believe, yes, she would. But she had so much faith to get up, walk through the crowd, touch everybody probably, to find this man Jesus and touch his clothes and immediately she was healed. She had such faith that she put it into action. It wasn't just a a sleep faith, a dead faith, and said, oh, I'm just going to sit on my couch and hope something happens. And then Jairus too. Jesus says, just believe. And he takes Jairus and his wife and these three disciples into the room and the little girl immediately gets up after Jesus says, get up little girl. There's a lot of faith that takes place in this two stories. And it's one story together really because Jesus is on the way to heal the girl. But then I was also thinking there has to be a connection between fear and faith. There has to. And where does it take me? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. You will read that. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then the next verse says, for it is God who works in you. The fear there is the same. It's a phobia or phobos. Unto fear. And trembling means used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his ability or her ability to completely meet all requirements, but religiously does his utmost or her utmost to fulfill his or her duty. Let me read that again. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling means this. So you have fear, unto fear. And I'll read another section here. But tromos is the trembling word. Used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his or her own ability to completely meet all requirements, but religiously does his or her utmost to fulfill his or her duty. So they distrust their own doing. They're like, I can't do it on my own. I need something else. That's the word, trembling. And then fear in the vines. I have to read it because I don't want to misquote the author of this dictionary. Phobos is the word. It says, reverential fear of God as controlling motive of the life in matters spiritual and moral, not a mere fear of His power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. A fear which banishes the tear that shrinks from His presence and which influences the disposition and attitude of one whose circumstances are guided by trust in God through the indwelling Spirit of God. 
not a mere fear of His power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. Then you get to Philippians, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have those two meanings of the words fear and trembling. It makes more sense. You have a fear of, I don't want to displease you, God. And then you have a trembling that says, I can't do it on my own. I'm worried about that. I can't do it on my own. I don't have enough strength. You put those together, it makes more sense of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. But you get to the next verse of Philippians chapter 2. What does it say? For it is God who is doing the work. So you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling, but God is at work. And then I keep going. You know, if you're a minister or teacher, you get down rabbit trails sometimes. Jody, can you agree with me on that? If you're studying at your house or your desk, you go out rabbit trails. But it all points back to something. So I went on a little rabbit trail, but this is an invitation because these three passages help me understand faith in Jesus. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. We need somebody else to help us. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Here I am, says Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus wants you to come, right? Open that door, spend time with me. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 through 3 directs our attention toward Jesus. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And then it also says, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. We look to Jesus. We look to the author and perfecter of faith. Trembling. I can't do it on my own. I need somebody else. That's why we celebrate it, right? That's why we remember it. Jesus dying for our sins. And then Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. I won't quote them all, but listen to this verse. Every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. One day that's going to happen. Yes, we suffer. Yes, we have pain in this life. Yes, we cry. We mourn. We are in pain. We die. But one day, every tear will be wiped away. No more death. No more mourning over somebody dying. No more pain. And as a minister at Ferris, I think of you all sometimes. That's a good sometimes, okay? And I thought, I have to say this. Because one day... There is not going to be any more walking canes. There's not going to be any more wheelchairs. 
there's not going to be any more pain. No more broken bones. No more bleedings. No more nothing. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He tells Jairus. Sam Alberry, a minister, preacher, author, said the two words that get abused today are trust me. Somebody tells you to trust them, it's hard to. But Jesus, we can trust Jesus with our lives. Jesus says, trust me, and we can say, okay, I'm going to. Somebody else says, trust me, it's like, "Mm, okay, maybe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Trust me. The Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Don't be afraid. Just believe. If you need to do that in anything, I'm up here to pray with you. Somebody else is probably out there wants to pray with you if you need prayer. And if you need to, you know, Going to a conference in Romans, I, I have to quote my favorite verse in Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Daughter, go in peace. You are freed from suffering. She went out and was freed from that suffering for the rest of her life. Jairus' daughter gets raised to life and she's going to live the rest of her life. And we, once we come out of that water, remember remember this, there's nothing magical about the water. I'm, I'm just going to say that. There's nothing magical in this water. I did not put magic potion in there. But it symbolizes, you go into that grave, you're buried with Jesus. Remember, Jesus was buried, Right? And people in that time were like, we conquered Jesus. Yes, we killed the Messiah, supposedly, and we put him in the ground. But what happened? Jesus was raised from the dead. Just like that, we too may live a new life. You're not the same. I'm not the same as I was. You're not the same as you were before you accepted Jesus. Don't be afraid, just believe. Trust me. And Jesus can do mighty things and we see that in the book of Mark. So I ask you the question again, who is Jesus to you? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gospel of Mark. Who Jesus is. What he did He gave new life to people. Yes, physically, but more importantly, He's giving new life to people spiritually. There's power in the name of Jesus. Help us to build our lives on that. My hope, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
on Christ the solid ground we stand. Help us to not be afraid and believe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.